Matthew and Luke begin their Gospels with the earthly life of Jesus. Concerned to show Jesus' connection to King David, concerned to show Jesus' fulfillment of prophecy and and the lengths to which God goes to announce the coming of the Messiah, Matthew and Luke proclaim the birth of the Son of God. They start at the beginning. But John is different. John starts at the very beginning. John starts at creation. Like Matthew and Luke, John is concerned to show Jesus' connection uh, to David. He is concerned to show Jesus' fulfillment of prophecy. But John wants to leave no shadow of doubt about just who Jesus is. Jesus is nonetheless than God incarnate. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning of what is, that thing that we call time and space and creation and history, in the beginning of what is, there already existed one who's always been. And try to wrap your mind around that one this morning. I don't think we can get incense in the room uh, thick enough to, to alter our minds enough to really understand that in the beginning of what is, that thing that we call time and space and history, creation, there already existed one who's always been. The Word, John tells us, was with God. But even more than that, the Word was God. Now, that's so far so good. Nothing too shocking here. The idea uh, or thought of a divine being who created isn't strange within the realm of human history. But then... John blows our minds because he explodes any paradigm, any sort of natural thought that we might have about a divine being in verse 14 when he says this word, the word who was in the beginning with God and who was God, this word who was in the beginning with God and created all things, the one who has life in himself, this word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's revolutionary. That is absolutely unfathomable in all of world religion. Author Madeline Lingle actually says that the virgin birth is far less mind-boggling than the power of all creation stooping so low as to become one of us. Just think about that. The one who has the power to speak out, let there be light, and light exists, became man. The one who has the power to separate the skies from the waters and to call forth dry land and then to populate the, the skies with birds and, and the, to create the sun, to create the moon, to, to shatter and, and, and scatter stars into the sky, became flesh. 
The one who called forth life and said, let the, the waters be teemed full of fish and all sorts of swimming things and the skies full of all sorts of flying things and the, the dry ground filled with all sorts of plants was born of a virgin womb, slept in a manger. That's revolutionary. You see, creators simply do not become incarnate. They do not become enfleshed within their creation. It simply isn't done. Deities within world religions, they may take on one form or another in order to visit their creation. But this incarnation, this word becoming flesh, this was and is different. The birth of the word involved the deity becoming. And anytime we start to talk about the incarnation, we start to talk about the person Jesus, we always want to tread a little lightly. At least I do. I don't want to commit heresy and be struck by lightning. The Word of God, who was with God and is God, took on flesh, became man. As our creed states, fully God and fully man, this the word of God descended, condescended to enter into our existence. And the question, I think, is why? If I was creator, if I was the one who was able to call forth all of life by the power of my mouth, if I was the one who was able to form and give and breathe life into things, then, quite frankly, when someone displeased me, I would probably put my thumb on them and squash them and just start over. I did that all the time with Plato as a child, and I know you did too, so don't be so sanctimonious this morning on Christmas. Why would the word descend and condescend? Why would the word become flesh? St. Augustine helps to focus our thoughts when he says, He so loved us that for our sake he was made man in time, although through him all times were made. He was made man who made man. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy, He, the Word, without whom all human eloquence is mute. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's our answer, I think. The simplest answer to the question of why, as Augustine points out, as Jesus himself speaks, the reason why the word became flesh is simply a four-letter word, love. God loves his creation, and so, incarnation. God loves his creation, and so enfleshment. God loves that which is broken and flawed, and he wants to redeem and restore, and so the word is sent. The word is conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word is birthed in a manger, laid to uh, sleep and, and, and shake off. The birth experience is witnessed by angels, is worshipped by shepherds, is awed over because of love. John tells us in these first few verses of his gospel, 
two ways in which God's love is manifested in the enfleshment of the Son, in the incarnation of the Word, Jesus. The love of God is manifested as Jesus defeats darkness. John chapter 1, verse 5, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, the, the birth of Jesus, is, is, is sort of like God's D-Day. That was a metaphor, an illusion, or illustration that Chuck Colson once used to talk about God invading this darkened, broken, flawed world. Corrupted by sin and by death, not the way it is ought to be, not the way it is supposed to be. So God, through the incarnation, because of his love, invades enemy territory, so to speak, to do what humans cannot do. Defeat evil. Defeat the darkness. And so the light comes into the world. Jesus, in the face of Jesus, darkness turns around. When I was a child, my family took uh, the most memorable family vacation. Being the son of a farmer meant we didn't get summer vacations often. But my dad gave my mom five days to plan a vacation. Before the days of internet, before the days of cell phones, and well before the days of Google, my mom planned a vacation from Lyons, Kansas, to Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. We all piled into a 1983 Citation, Chevy Citation. My dad uh, didn't want to use up the air conditioner, so we drove with the windows down. <laughs> Father Mike knows exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sure he's done the same. We got to a place in Nebraska, near North Platte, I believe it was, and the only hotel that my mom had been able to find was an absolute dump. We knew it was an absolute dump because when we turned on the lights to walk into the room, the walls moved. <laughs> now, come on, we live in Florida. Cockroaches are a way of life. I'm sorry, palmetto bugs are a way of life. I was scarred by this. I grew up in Kansas where the winters were cold enough to kill bugs. The walls moved in Nebraska because the ro roaches ran from the light in the face of Jesus Darkness flees. It has no choice. Darkness has no choice in the face of Jesus, the one who is light, the one who is life, the one who created all things, the Word. Darkness turns around when Jesus shows up. And we see darkness turn around when Jesus show up as he uh, performs miracles, as he uh, cleanses the skin of lepers, as he stops the bleeding of a woman, as he makes the blind to see, as he makes the lame to walk, as he raises a little girl from the dead, as he says, Lazarus, come out, darkness turns around. The darkness cannot overcome Jesus because he is the word. He is light. And he's come because of God's love. The incarnation is about making children of that light, born of the will of God. That 
requires crucifixion. That requires resurrection. To be a child of the light requires us to be born of God. Being born of God requires us to trust in Jesus, in his death, in his resurrection, that he has done what we cannot do, which is defeat the darkness. But there's something else about Jesus defeating darkness, that's something about this last point that I think is incredibly important for us as 2016 mercifully in God's grace comes to an end. There's true hope that darkness will not have the last word. Because of Jesus, his defeat of the darkness, because of his crucifixion, his resurrection, because of his ascension where he's seated at the right hand of God, because of the promise that he will return again, we know that darkness will ultimately be defeated. Death will not have its last word. There will be a time in which Jesus will put all of those things under his feet, cast them away into total and utter darkness, allowing dark to be dark, away and gone in destruction and death. Cancer does not have the last word. Jesus does. Death does not have the last word. Jesus does. Alzheimer's does not have the last word, neither do terrorist acts. Jesus does. Upon his return, the light defeats the dark. His birth, the light, was defeating the dark. The incarnation of the word because of God's love so that darkness is defeated. But we also see in these early verses of John's gospel that in his love, because of his love, the Son was made flesh to reveal God. Because of love, God makes himself known. You know how this works. You're dating someone, or you're trying to get to know someone, or you're making a new friend. You talk about yourself, right? You reveal details about yourself. If you really want to have a close connection, a true relationship with someone, you have to reveal yourself truly because your lies will always be found out. God desires to be in relationship with his creation. He desires to restore, to be at peace through Jesus. And in Jesus, he makes himself known. The incarnation in God's love happened then to make God known to his creation. In a sense, it's not a perfect metaphor, but the potter reveals himself to the clay by becoming like the clay, so that the clay may become like the potter. Again, it's, not a, it's, it's an imperfect analogy, but if you've ever seen that show, The Undercover Boss, the owner of a corporation becomes a, a laborer alongside those he employs, to learn about them, to understand them, and then at the end there's always this big reveal, right? God brings the incarnation, causes the incarnation, calls for the incarnation so that we may know him truly. And John says it here in verses 14 through 18. The word became flesh, he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. 
For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know the Creator, look at Jesus. If you want to know the one who truly loves you more than you can possibly imagine, look at Jesus. Because Jesus truly reveals God. Jesus is holy, sinless perfection. Jesus is love, self-sacrifice. Jesus exhibits mercy and compassion, righteousness, goodness, and justice, and I can keep going. Everything that Jesus is, God is. And the purpose of the incarnation, in his love, God sends to destroy evil, to reveal himself, to make children of the light. We don't have to guess about what God is like. We merely have to look at Jesus, the incarnation of the word. We don't have to fear darkness or evil. We merely have to trust in Jesus, the light that shines in the darkness. The incarnation. Without it, Christmas is lost. Without it, so are we. The incarnation, because of it, Christmas has true meaning. And because of it, we are found said this to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.